Welcome to the official broadcast of Life Fellowship Ministries in Kima, Texas. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Be sure to visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. And so Paul was talking to them, uh, and he was encouraging them. He said, hey, listen, you believe the good news that I shared, and you're still standing firm in this. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. And what we see today, even, there are different gospels being taught, the prosperity message. Uh, once you become a Christian, then you never have any financial challenges, and you're a millionaire, and you have a Rolex watch, and all, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's just not true. There's one gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. And... Uh, there's there's other gospels too or other teachings that that you can go out and sin and and there are no consequences for that uh you know we see people disregarding what the bible teaches all the time and uh, you know the paul wasn't writing to the early church to beat them up uh and and sharing the word it's it's not my words it's it's the word of the bible here but the intent is not to beat people up but to challenge us to to evaluate our life and say what are we living are we living this thing out are we following the commands and and the uh the bound and staying within the boundaries of what god has set because it's for our good that we do that all right you guys are really quiet this morning uh, so, you know, there are other teachings that, that say it's okay to participate in immoral lifestyles. And uh, Paul is dr- addressing all of these things. But why? Because he loves them. Because he cares about them. He cares about the, the early church. He cares about the people. Why do I stand up here every week and, and preach the word? Because I love you and I care about you. And I've shared with you before, when, whenever I teach, whether that be at a, a pastor's conference or on Sunday morning, I want to encourage, I want to train and equip and teach, and I want to challenge us. Because I think we all need to take stock every week and say, how am I doing? Please understand, this is not a performance thing. We don't perform our way into heaven, or we don't perform our way into this relationship. It's about this relationship where we're yielding our hearts and lives to God, and then God is transforming us, transforming our lives. Am I the only one that's in transformation? Am I the only one that God is ministering to and working things out and bringing things to the surface so that they can be dealt with? Not so that I can perform better, but so that I grow in this relationship with Him. So Paul is, is, is addressing a number of items here with... Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the early church. Verse 3, I passed on to you what I... What was most important and what had also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. So Jesus came to restore us into this, what was broken relationship that happened in the Garden of Eden. And so Christ has come to restore us into this relationship with him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the heart of it. The heart of it is surrounded and built on love. And it's built on this relationship And so we need to primarily get that and understand that in this relationship that God is is working in our hearts and lives because he loves us. 
And there should, and there should be evidence that we have a relationship with Jesus in our lives by the way that we live this thing out. None of us are perfect. Do we ever make mistakes? Of course we do. But we should be growing in this relationship as, as we're yielding our hearts and lives to him. And God is shining the spotlight in our hearts and says, you, you know, uh, I said something today that was unkind, and I, I, I had to apologize to somebody. Because the, the Lord is shining his light in our hearts because he wants us to reflect him. So as he shines his light into us, then we are a, re, a reflection of him in our life. He came to fix our broken lives, not leave us the same. So verse 4, he was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. So there are numerous accounts that Jesus was seen by many people after he was crucified, after he rose on the third day. Uh, verse 6 says, after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of who are still alive, though some have died. Verse 7, then he was seen by James, and later by the apostles. Verse 8, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. I think Paul is saying, man, I kind of missed out on some things here, because I wasn't involved in one of the 12 apostles and, and, and all of that, but I did get to see him. And we know that on the road to Damascus, Paul had an encounter with Jesus. And uh, so he, he goes on here in verse 9. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. And so we know that, that Paul was responsible for a lot of the persecution of the early church and the early Christians. And, uh, you know, we talked about this uh, when we were going through the book of Acts on Wednesday nights. And we've talked about this before where... Uh, uh, our core scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And so, you know, uh, I talked about this, that there are some that say, well, the only apostles were the 12 that Jesus was with. Well, right here, Paul is saying, I'm an apostle. And so, you know, we need to, again, we need to look at the word of God and we need to understand it correctly because there are people today that say that there were no more apostles. Uh, just a sidebar there. Okay, so Paul was responsible for persecuting Christians. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that even though he knew that he was forgiven and had received God's grace, that still probably weighed heavy on him. Uh, he goes on to write here in verse 10, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his life, poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. And so I think that, I, th I think when I, uh, when I think of people that really, I believe, understood grace, I think of King David, who did some bad things in his life, but he was able to press on and stay the course or get back on course with the Lord. And I think Paul is another one of those guys that understood the depth uh, and the width and the breadth of God's grace and mercy. Because even though he had done all these things, God used him powerfully. He wrote most of the New Testament. And so here's a man that was trained and equipped in the Old Testament law and was persecuting Christians, and then God has an encounter with him. He has an encounter with Jesus, and it changes his life, and God uses him powerfully. God wants to do the same thing in our lives. Because I, I know, I can speak for myself, I haven't had a perfect life. It's still not perfect. But you know what? When we yield to him, God will take what, what the world would say is unusable and do miraculous things through our lives if we will just allow him to. 
Because his grace, his mercy is greater than our sin and all that old stuff. So, but whatever I am now, it is all because God has poured out his special favor on me and not without results. Paul had received this new beginning. And God's forgiveness is complete. Paul was used powerfully. And, and you know what? God is, is pouring into people like us today that he is using powerfully. We may not know the extent of what God is doing through our, our lives until we get to heaven. But if we yield to him, God will continue to work through our hearts and lives. Verse 10 continues, For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. And we know that Paul was very instrumental in taking the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and uh, starting churches all over the, the known world at that point in time. And so he was working hard, and uh, he acknowledged that it was God working through him and not of his own accord, and he gives God the glory. But God gives us the stamina. God gives us the power. There are people that have tremendous capacity to run hard and run strong, and that's a gifting from the Lord because there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And so when, whenever we have that power and stamina, then we, have, we, we need to recognize and understand that it's not in our own strength that we're doing that, but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and the power of God. Um, so he acknowledges that God is, is the source of his power and what God has done through his life and doing. The giftings are given to us by the Lord, uh, but the results are determined by the Lord. And so our role is to take the giftings that God has given us to obey what he's asked us to do and then simply go and do what he's asked us to do. The results are up to him, not us. Our part is to obey and follow his leading he makes it happen. Verse 11, so it, it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. And so, again, Paul is just reiterating that it's not about a person. It's not about Paul or Apollos or any of these other preachers that were going out, but it was about the message. And that's why the unity uh, coming into the unity in Christ is so vitally important that we're teaching the same message, that we're not teaching a prosperity message or this or that or the other, but we're preaching the word of God, which is the good news, which is salvation through Christ, that he forgives us for all of our sins and that he wants to reach the lost and dying, those that don't understand. And he's using people like us to do that. Do you understand the importance of your life? the value of your life and what God has called you to do. That it's not just for you, but there's a world of people that need to see some Jesus and some people that need to, to experience the love of Christ. And so God is placing you in a position and he's placing you on a path where you interact with people and you rub next to people that need to, to see some Jesus, that need to feel loved, that need to know that they were created to be in relationship with him and that God, that Jesus did the completed work on the cross and that they are forgiven and they can live the abundant life that Christ came to give. And so people are looking at us as we go out and live it and, and, and be examples of this abundant life that Christ came to give. 
So next, Paul kind of shifts gears here. He, he begins to talk about resurrection in verse 12. He says, but let me tell you this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? So some of the, uh, the Corinthians did not believe that Christ rose from the grave. Let's read on in verse 13. For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. Remember when uh, uh, the religious leaders and, and the Romans went to the uh, centurions and, and the guards that were guarding the tomb, and they said, listen, we'll, we'll just say that somebody stole Jesus' body. They were there to guard and, and make sure nobody took the body. But, but when he rose again, they, they didn't know what to do. So they told the guards, they said, well, listen, he said that he was going to be raised on the third day, so we can't have that. So we'll just say, you, you can just tell people that somebody came and stole his body. And so that was still going on, I believe. People were still believing that lie. Uh, how, did they, how did they account, um, if they said that, that uh, the body was stolen and Christ didn't rise from the dead, how would they account for the multiple sightings of Christ? Because there were hundreds of people that saw him. Um, let's read on in verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, he would not have defeated death. And there would not be hope for our resurrection for eternal life. If Jesus wasn't raised to life, and all and all the all the teachings, all the all the all the teachings of the the uh, the Old Testament prophets and and uh, even the these new believers would be false if they had said that Jesus was going to rise from the dead on the third day, but didn't. All of that would be false. Let's read on in verse 15. And we apostles 